0: can a people-first approach to higher education transformation improve success? An EY report suggests that taking emotional and psychological factors into account is just as important as the technology. Six factors drive this human-centered approach. Leadership, inspiration, care, empowerment, investment and collaboration. Get these right and they can more than double an organization's chance of transformation success. Learn more about people-first transformation at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY. Looking for your next great podcast?
1: We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Last week, New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced she was resigning. I will not be seeking re-election. My term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. It took the world by surprise, particularly those who have admired her political tenure. This has been the most fulfilling five and a half years of my life. I am leaving because with such a privileged role, comes responsibility, the responsibility to know when you are the right person to lead and also when you are not. And although she didn't say it explicitly, many have interpreted what she described as feeling burnt out. I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. Being prime minister during a terror attack COVID-19, the climate crisis, is undoubtedly going to take a toll. But her speech also seemed to strike a chord with lots of people who are feeling similarly exhausted by the past few years. So today we're asking, what is burnout? And what are the best ways to recover if, like Jacinda, you just don't have anything left in the tank? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay and this is Science Weekly. Laurie Santos, you're a cognitive scientist, you're professor of psychology at Yale University and you're creator of the university's most popular course ever called Psychology and the Good Life, And on top of all of that, you present the Happiness Lab podcast. First of all, tell me what it's like to be a happiness guru. Does that label come with a a certain amount of pressure in of itself?
3: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it does. I mean, I think people really do expect you to practice what you preach, right? You know, so you can't be up there telling people all these things they should be doing to feel happy if you're not following those yourself. But it also came, especially during the last couple of years, a lot of people want happiness advice right now. You know, there is a pressure to do, so it was a much tougher time than I imagined, even for you know a happiness expert like me.
2: We're talking about this because of the news of Jacinda Ardern's resignation, and you've actually got a personal
3: connection to that because you announced some news of your own last week too. Yeah, I keep joking with my colleagues that we're now resignation buddies, you know, resignation buddies with the prime minister. Um, Yes, I just announced that I'm stepping down in my role as head of college on campus, which is a role where I uh, live on campus with students and really take care of the small residential college community. And it was, you know, it was a tough decision, but I was starting to see all the classic signs of burnout and realize that if I didn't take action, things weren't going to get much better.
2: It sounded like from Jacinda Ardern's resignation that perhaps she was seeing some of these signals, these warning signs too. She said that there was nothing left in the tank. And so what are some of the signals that might suggest that you're heading towards burnout?
3: this is a really important question because I think we use the term burnout quite flippantly, but scientists and psychologists have a very specific meaning when they talk about burnout. Burnout is sort of made up of three kind of classic symptoms. Um, one is the one we tend to think about, which is sort of emotional exhaustion. Even when you get a great night of sleep, it feels like, as you said, there's no energy left in the tank. That's kind of symptom number one. Symptom number two is what psychologists call depersonalization, but it's just a real sense of cynicism. It's that you got a short fuse with other people. You're just a little bit more frustrated. frustrated. Frustrated with them and cynical of them than you ever have been. And this was something that I saw in spades, you know, my students who I adore interacting with, I was just starting to have a really short fuse with them. But the third feature that I think was probably, you know, a really important feature um, in at least the prime minister's decision to step down is a sense of personal ineffectiveness, right? Even if you are doing your job as great as possible, you know, circumstances, structures are just making it so that, you know, you can't do it. And that continual frustration of not feeling like you're doing something something effectively can start to burn you out.
2: And those feelings, I can imagine, left unchecked could also lead to a lot of other mental health issues.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, people tend to get really depressed. You know, if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling not effective, that can lead to real clinical depression. I think it starts affecting our physical bodies, right? You know, we just have a tremendous fight or flight response when you're pushing against things that you kind of can't make a difference in. Um, You also see things like a lack of sleep. People often turn to substance use to kind of navigate some of these negative feelings. Unchecked burnout doesn't get better. I
2: wonder if there is any way that you can effectively measure how
3: burned out you actually are. Christina Maslach, who's the scientist who studied this really effectively, has developed a burnout inventory. It's basically just a survey. um, And once you kind of take that survey, you can kind of get a sense of how things are going. But honestly, if you're hearing me talk about it and you're saying like, yeah, I'm emotionally exhausted. You know, yeah, I'm like getting really annoyed with folks at work. I'm experiencing this depersonalization. And yeah, I'm just feeling truly ineffective all the time. You know, you might not need the kind of well-validated survey to get a sense of this. So we have instruments that can measure it. But like a lot of self-report we kind of know it when we experience it in our own lives too so what do we know about the causes of
2: burnout has this been studied
3: yeah. Again, I think you know it's it's tricky scientifically because I think we have this lay term burnout that people are using all the time, but that might not map on to scientifically whether or not people are seeing burnout. Um, the main researcher who's, who's done this lovely work on burnout, Christina Maslach, um, and she often talks about the fact that there are six causes for burnout, and they're interestingly they're all structural causes. They're not things that are going on with us. They're going they're things that are going on with our work and our relationship with work. Um, so there are things like workload. You know, your workload is increasing, and you don't have have control over it, uh, specifically a perceived lack of control. Like, you know, things are happening and you you kind of can't control these things and it's a, sort of a problem. A kind of mismatch with your sense of reward. You know, you're not getting the intrinsic reward that you were getting out of your job before. Changes in your sense of community. You know, maybe you're not feeling as connected to the people at work. Um, shifts in a sense of fairness. You know, you feel like there's things going on at work that just feel kind of unfair. And then what she calls a values mismatch, right? Like why you got into that job, you kind of can't do it anymore
2: is there something about how we work our culture generally that is making more of us burned out
3: Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the structure of how work has changed, you know, in the last two decades, a lot of those factors I mentioned are getting worse, right? People's workloads are going up because, you know, we need to make the bottom line and so on. Our sense of a lack of control is often going up in many industries. You know, work seems precarious. There's job loss. You know, people are losing their jobs all over the place. You know, there's a question about rewards, you know, especially for me in the U.S., you know, what even counts as minimum wage anymore? Are people getting the wages they need? And I think even things like community and fairness have gone down with some So many of us working from home, for example, I think we're renegotiating what what counts as community at work. And for lots of us, there's this values mismatch. You know, in many of our industries, we get into it to do something good in the world. And then we're, you know, maximizing shareholder value more than we probably wanted to in terms of our value system. And so I think there's like really serious changes that are happening in the structure of work that are increasing burnout. We haven't even mentioned things like a gig economy, which is, you know, completely out of people's control. I think more and more our society is moving. Moving towards workplaces that at least exacerbate our tendency for burnout. So
2: do we know anything about who might be most likely to suffer from burnout, Who might be more likely to feel these stresses that you've described?
3: I think everyone's susceptible to it. You might think the people who get burned out fastest are the people who just, like, don't care, right? You know, are the ones who, you know, didn't really want to invest in their job in the first place. But a lot of the evidence suggests it's the opposite. It's the people who have an incredibly strong identity in what they're doing, in their jobs, who care about the values that they're engaging in. And the reason is that because their identity is so taken up by what they're doing with their work, when things start to feel like a mismatch, when the workload feels out of control or there's not the right rewards, now all of a sudden that takes a huge psychological toll. And so I think, you know, if you're the kind of person who's going to like throw your all into your work, you know, and I think, you know, the prime minister is a decent example of this, right? You're going to be more prone to burnout. You might be the kind of person that needs to kind of take a step back and make sure that your work-life balance is a little bit healthier than you might otherwise.
2: I mean, it's hard enough for most of us to admit maybe that we're struggling with our work or that we're feeling this sense of burnout, but particularly so if you've got a high-powered job, if you're a public figure. And Jacinda Ardern's resignation was quite incredible in that way. It's something you never see or would expect to see. What did you make of her resignation and being quite honest and frank about the
3: reasons behind it? I mean, I think it's rare, but I'll say I think it's happening more and more. You know, look at people like Simone Biles or Naomi Osaka, like, you know, these athletes who are at the top of their game who say, you know what, I'm stepping away because I, you know, the balance is is off and I need to kind of walk away. But I think the reason it's so hard and the reason we find it so surprising is that we have this misunderstanding of our work-life balance. We assume if we're throwing our all into something, it's just going to work out. Or if we put enough effort into it, if we care enough about it, you know, we can make even difficult workplaces work out. And I think that this just doesn't fit with the science. What the science tells us is there's some structural problems at work that even if you care, maybe especially if you care, you're going to wind up a little bit more burned out.
2: Now, both you and Jacinda have taken big steps to tackle how you're feeling. There's nothing more terrifying and exhilarating than quitting your job Uh, some people aren't able to do that but in an ideal world what would you prescribe somebody to help them recover from burnout i mean are we talking about a caribbean island in the middle of nowhere
3: Unfortunately, we're not. We're talking about something that might be a lot harder, which is we're talking about, you know, changes to the structure of how you work and the identity that you take in your job. All the research shows that burnout, it's not something that's going on in you. It's something that's going on with your job and your relationship with it. And so if there are changes you can make to your workplace, you know, advocating for more work-life balance, more control, I think those are the kinds of things that ultimately will have even more impact is sort of making those harder, maybe more effective structural changes. Um, you know, not all of us can resign, although it's worth noting that the act of resigning is hard. I, I watched, you know, just into speech and like her crying and I was crying because I was going through it myself, you know. But I think, you know, if you're not in a position to do that, one thing you might really want to think about is the balance between the identity that you get out of work versus the identity that you get out of all kinds of other stuff. What other identities do we have? Do we have an identity as a good friend or engaging in certain hobbies or you know, protecting our health, like really trying to take energy from the leisure that you have? Again, it's not like just like a bubble bath you know, every you know, couple nights. It's really kind of actually investing your values and your work in something that's not your career, that's not your job.
2: So finally, Laurie, before I let you go, if anyone is listening to this who does feel burned out, I wonder if you could give me one suggestion of a thing that they could do today that might relieve even just a tiny bit of that feeling of burnout and pressure.
3: The real first important step is to admit it, to acknowledge that those negative emotions are there. And then to really think seriously about what you need to do. And unfortunately, that might mean some big changes down the line. But if you start taking those first steps of acknowledging, that's the most important part.
2: Laurie, thank you so much. And good luck with whatever comes next for you. Are you excited about your resignation and what happens next
3: <laughs> very much so i mean I'm, I'm sad in the you know the same bittersweet you know way that i think the prime minister was but i'm so excited about taking a break and i've already felt this kind of emotional weight lifted like it feels like there's this thing that was sitting on my chest for two years that now feels like it's lifted and so that that part feels fantastic thanks again to Lori santos
2: her podcast is called the happiness lab And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Joel Cox. And the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
1: Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, What if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's vice chair and president, Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.
0: How can a people-first approach to higher education transformation improve success? An EY report suggests that taking emotional and psychological factors into account is just as important as the technology. Six factors drive this human-centered approach. Leadership, inspiration, care, empowerment, investment and collaboration. Get these right and they can more than double an organization's chance of transformation success. Learn more about people-first transformation at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.